0: 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away, so it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today.
1: Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth Or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.
2: Hey, this is Tyler. And this is KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast.
3: what's going on Woods people it's spring what's the weather it's outside? summer actually isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah texas uh we have experienced some near 90 degree temps already but it's 55 your vehicle out right says now. it's
2: 55 out is that
3: real i don't know the other day it looked it was kind of shady um on the low side i think yeah but it's definitely supposed to warm up about 20 degrees if it's 55 out today yeah. according to the weather but no anyway uh it's uh, it's springtime, it's uh, fishing time, it's turkey time, it is uh, all kinds of different things. Hunt planning, all these different things that uh, we've been involved in and uh, doing lately. So that's what we're talking about on the podcast today. The first thing that you think of when it starts warming up outside, usually for me at least, is gardening. And uh, KC is pretty much... Uh, Have you been featured in Southern Living before?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that was Martha Stewart Living. Uh, Okay. Um, But uh, no, I actually don't have that much of a green thumb this year. Um, I'm going to be doing a little sharecropping at Brad's house, and I think I'm going to put a little bit of maybe just some tomato plants at my in-laws and stuff. But um, my big gardening stuff is more trees this year. i got a bunch of uh, oak trees or acorns stratified and in the dirt, they're starting to poke up, poke their heads up. Dude, I need There'll some be help. More of those coming along. I don't know if those Iowa ones are ever going to come. Well, yeah. These are
3: shumards that we gathered on Texas public land. I had one of those sprout. I don't know what oh, the deal is. That's all I need.
2: Yeah. one tree. I mean, I've got a bunch of shumards. If you want a shumard, I've got a. Oh, you do? Yeah. I got a bunch of shoe marks. Yeah. I
3: mean, I I would like to eventually plant a bunch. And I've got a point, bunch but... of
2: uh, heavy producing sand post oaks too. Yeah, that are essentially a white oak. I mean, right. those acorns. You know the size of a uh, um, live oak live acorn. Live oak. I was. About they're, to say. they're just like that. Really. They're kind of oblong yeah. and big. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I got going on. Uh, lots of trees. I planted some persimmon trees. Yeah. Did some persimmon grafting. Waiting on those to bud. I'm pretty excited about so that. So you did.
3: You did. Uh, you kind of did a graph that I didn't expect with those little tiny things. I was expecting the whatever it's called that's like built like this, right?
2: So like a tongue and groove type graph? What do they yeah. call it? A, it's not tongue and groove, but something in, whip and tongue maybe or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like a
3: like a uh, diagonal cut across. Yeah, the branch so
2: or, yeah, and the, those are what you call a bench graft. So people like sit there at a table and do that, and then plant the little tree inside in a pot. If you're going to do a graft that's, like, out in the wild, you got to do things that are more uh, hardy and can handle weather better. So that's why you do – that's called cleft – those are cleft grafts that Mm. I did. And then you can also do bark grafts, um, which kind of sounds pretty generic. But those are the grafts you'll do, like, if you're going to leave the tree out in the weather, you just wrap them all up real good Mm. because the wind and the rain and stuff will mess up a bench graft. Gotcha. Yeah. So So – You used caulk on the end. I did, I did. Why? You're supposed to seal that with something. uh, Keeps the bugs and stuff out? Yeah, it keeps the bugs in the rain from causing fungus. But also, um, if you don't seal that, then all the nutrients, the tree can just push out that end. Whereas now, it's funneling all the nutrients up through the scions that I stuck in the top of those. what those little sticks are called, scions.
3: That's cool, man.
2: So, crafted some Japanese Fuyu variety persimmons onto some... American persimmon uh rootstock that just was already growing natively on my property. The problem with American persimmons is that they're supposed to be fifty fifty uh male female like whenever they germinate, but for some reason in the wild they end up being usually like eighty, twenty male female. So there's I only have like two female trees on my whole property and I've probably got thirty persimmon trees. So So have you grafted are those grafted onto a male? Mm-hmm, but they'll grow true to graft, so you can It's cool. Yeah you can have trans so you trees. Just, turn all, <laughs> you just turn them all into <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. dude that's so, cool man. yeah that's my garden in this, this year it's a little bit different i mean I, i'm sure i mean with with brad i'm gonna have plenty of salsa stuff and tomato sauce stuff and all and i'm gonna go over there actually probably today and plant some squash and tomatillos um mm. but uh yeah i, I got a bunch
3: bit. of purple tomatillos coming up and my uh how are the sisters they fell over today during that <laughs> rager <laughs> they always that fall. happened. <laughs> Did it happen to rager at your house? Yeah. Because it was, yeah, it blew them over big time. Um, I've actually got uh, b- uh, b- buds on, or blooms on my tomato plant.
2: Those little guys?
3: Yeah. On the, I mean, the, like the the one that I planted like oh, several weeks I ago. I don't think I was Cherokee that purple one. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So it's like, it's happening, Ooh. dude. It's growing a lot since I put it in the ground, man. Nice. Yeah.
2: Pretty We're going to have all stuff. kinds of interesting stuff this year. We're going to have Maybe.
3: Depends on if I still have my property. Who knows? Yeah. You know.
2: You can transplant that stuff.
3: Yeah, I, could, I definitely could transplant. The tomato plant's coming. I'm finding a way for <laughs> sure. <laughs> the lettuce, it's like, eh. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah,
2: lettuce. But, lettuce is kind of a novelty. Like, it's just fun to grow, but yeah. really it's, like, not any better than the... It's easy to grow, store. too. Yeah, it grows pretty yeah. prolifically. The one thing I noticed is that somehow <laughs> commercial lettuce growers are so good at getting the sand off... And then whenever you make it, whenever you grow it yourself, there's always dirt on yeah. The lettuce. Yeah, like you can't gives get it a it good all. crunch. I know. <laughs> it's good for your teeth. Uh, it that's is. What, good. That's what
3: I hear. Yeah, that's what. Uh, <laughs> if you look at deer, you know, aging resources and stuff, they'll yeah. tell you how good the sandy soil is for their teeth.
2: Yeah. Did yeah. you have a plan for your <clears throat> garden, or you just go to just spitballing and throwing stuff in there? Yeah,
3: kind of. I mean, we. Um, I I always want to grow tomatoes. I, one plant that I don't have yet is a Sweet One Hundred. Um, they're like. They're like a cherry tomato kind of, you know, mm-hmm. they're smaller uh, tomato size. They're a little bit oblong, uh, and they grow in huge. Well, actually, they're pretty They're pretty circular, uh, but they grow in huge clusters. Like, they'll grow on the end of a limb, and there'll be, like, a dozen of them. Mm. You just, like, grab the whole thing and pull yeah, it off. and I think you my got,
2: mother-in-law had those last year. They
3: are the best-eaten tomato, man. They're so good. Are
2: they a darker color, or are they red? No, they're,
3: they're pretty much red, okay. yeah.
2: She had some that were, like, a darker color. Um, but did the same thing mm-hmm. where it's like twenty of them out there in a glob, yeah. And then she has some yellow ones that did the same thing, dude. I'm telling you, that is the best tasting thing, dude. They're like, so good. You just take good. that and pop it in your mouth, like you. Know, oh yeah, I'd take that over a grape right now. Oh
3: yeah, me it's, too. Uh, so good, yeah. It's the mm. best, dude. You put a little cheese in with it. It's a, it Ooh. just cannot be beat. Ooh. But that's that's one plan that I'm kind of missing. Um, You know, we would actually, if we had like a place to do a garden, we had to do a box. If we had a place to do a garden, we'd do something different a little bit. We would do, we've got some pole beans that are growing. They've actually gone nuts. Um, They've grown like, uh, they literally grew um, probably six inches in two days. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like two to three days, I believe six inches. Um, Anyway, yeah. I mean, usually what I would do if I had, could do it how I want to do it, I'd grow cucumbers. And we do baby homemade deals, you know. Um, I always am going to grow tomatoes because you just cannot beat homemade or homegrown tomatoes. Um, Squash, zucchini, that kind of thing. Um, Outside of that, you know, maybe some peppers. But really, peppers are cheap, and it's hard to grow them sometimes. I feel like they get eaten up by bugs pretty bad a lot of Mm -hmm. times and stuff. So,
2: Isn't it weird, like, that – Jalapenos are so cheap at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. They're the biggest jalapenos you'll ever see. You'll never grow them that big. Yeah, and they're like, what, like a dollar twenty a pound or something they're, like that. Yeah, they're
3: so cheap. Yeah. And they come from Mexico.
2: Yeah, they have to come a long ways. They from their native homeland. You know, like <laughs> there's nothing better than a jalapeno grown where it was supposed to be. Yeah, so. exactly.
3: So yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of what I'm. I've uh, been doing i got a lime and a lemon tree i don't know if i said that already those are sisters
2: i was referring to yeah yeah Yeah.
3: so i'm not sure what they're gonna do but we (laughs) spent enough money on them that they should do you gotta keep them around for a while at least because of that so uh uh,
2: something else that takes planning and time and some excitement kind of like gardening is planning hunts Mm -hmm. for the year and we have like suddenly Actually, dove off into that. Yeah, I haven't in the thought past about it at all
3: so, until yesterday. I've been thinking
2: much. about some, but nothing like crazy. And then you and I got to talking about stuff, and then we were talking to Brian Broderick from Day Six Gear. Can you
3: say marathon phone <laughs> call? <laughs>
2: Listen, if you ever call Brian to ask about arrows or stuff, he's going to give you the best information out there. Like he's super slick on this stuff. He's great at it. But he will give you a plethora of information. Do it be after ready work. To take notes. Yeah. <laughs> Do it after work, not on your lunch break, because he, he's full of information. He's full of it, actually, too. So, <laughs> but, um, after talking to Brian, uh, okay. So we went on our healer hunt last year. Yeah. And I would already picked out some spots on the map and whatever, and then talked to Brian, and he actually hunted that place like three or four times. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but he kind of gave us some direction. We lined those places up with places I'd already kind of looked at on the map. And we went to one of the places that he said was a good place to camp. Lo and behold, it was a good place to camp. Uh, I got to shoot it at a 360-plus elk from that place. So, like, did not lead us astray at all, right? I've come to trust what Brian and says. A and a 340. And a
0: 340.
2: May have drawn blood on the 340. Uh, but he's still probably kicking right now, oh, yeah. unless somebody else shot him later in the season. Uh, and they got a free broadhead. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's our, that's our gear, gear giveaway guys. That's right. <laughs> you have to go actually kill the animal that we left the broadhead that's in. That's right. Yeah. Uh that's terrible. But um anyways, uh I've pretty much come to trust what Brian says yeah. on on gear, especially, you know, arrows and broadheads that he sells and then even more so uh hunting places. We were talking on the phone about a lot of stuff yesterday. Mm. I said Brian, "Man, we're looking at something to do for early September because we kind of want to go on a hunt but it's hot as all get out and he's like well here's what you should do <laughs> instead go in october <laughs> yeah pretty much and go to this place over here and hunt mule deer and whitetail and I'm like hmm, i haven't thought about that at all and i remember when he first told yeah. us that i was like i don't know if i really want to do that man it sounds kind of weird and, and it then, also
3: is weird that he knew more about east texas than we did you know did he? Yeah, because that's where he was sending us. Oh, yeah. To that's kill right. deer and Watt. In East Texas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And so totally.
3: it, was, uh, it was just <laughs> weird that he was like, man, I didn't even know those existed here mm-hmm. in our backyard. You know, thanks, Brian, for letting us know. Yeah. Yeah. Way anyway. to go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think? Uh, do you think you let anybody astray on that? You think they believe you?
3: I don't think they. Okay. Got, I mean, well, there actually are probably plenty of people in the Midwest that have, are listening, and they're like, "Oh yeah, okay, it's Texas, <laughs> right?" <In> Texas, <laughs> west probably got
2: high inch mule deer down there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so, something went from not being on my radar at all yesterday to now has consumed about six hours worth of map scouting and and uh, DNR website. Um, What's the right word there? Uh, Um, Trying to solve the puzzle, whatever that is. Um, That's just the worst thing, man. Like, who is it that actually has... Is it New Mexico that has a pretty good one? I think it's New Mexico. I hate New Mexico's website, frankly.
3: Colorado does.
2: Maybe it's Colorado. I don't know. Some people have fairly easily navigated websites, and some people do not. Most DNRs are just real bad at that. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's a lot of people who... Uh, came to the internet late in adult life who are running this stuff (laughs) and maybe they don't quite understand.
3: I just wonder if those people are not like, do you not, do they hunt? Because if you've ever tried to hunt out of state, there are certain questions that are pretty generic Mm -hmm. and it's like, that should be a hot button somewhere on there and you can't ever find that. And it's like, I guess these people have never been out of state.
2: Yeah, like my big question that's always so hard to answer is, how much does it cost? <laughs> yes, you know, because people have. are always like, "Oh, well, the deer tag's two hundred blah 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 blah," and it's like, "Okay,
3: do I, need do I have license? to have a hunting
2: license too? Do I need a habitat stamp? Can you give me? Yeah, do I need like, a, a, a small game license? Yes. Do I have to have a
3: big game license? Exactly. Like, can I have a five day, ten day? Like, what's the deal here? Yeah. yeah that,
2: it's, oh well, I yeah. guess that's part of the fun is figuring it all out, and that's <laughs> what we've been doing. I think that um, we're somebody's going elk hunting this year. Um, yeah, probably. Tyler. Tyler might burn some points. <laughs> we don't know yet. He's going to evaluate and think about it and see. Um, if we don't do that, my, I might go with my tried and true OTC Colorado, or we might go try something new, Yeah. early season Colorado, uh-huh. off of another guidance from um, our mentor, Brian Broderick. Triple B. <laughs> Trip B. Brian Bo <laughs> <CM. laughs> <laughs> um, So we might be looking at an early September elk hunt, and then coming back. Processing meat for ten days, pretty much, because yeah. that's how long it takes. And then, uh, especially when there's two dead ones, can you imagine? Oh, oh my goodness, man! We're gonna bring home like eighty brook trout after we've tagged it on day four. It's <laughs> gonna be crazy. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, and then you know, around early October, heading out for a mule deer whitetail combo, which is like I said, I I just was not on my radar at all. And then after, all I needed was just a little bit of a bad influence in my life, and. Mm-hmm. Here we go. You got it. Going down <laughs> down the drain. That's it, man. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, kind of the plans, and then, I mean, of course, we're gonna do Kansas, Texas, maybe a state in between there. Yeah. Um, this yeah. this fall, and you know, y'all probably have heard us break down that a hundred times, so you don't care to hear too much about that stuff. But mm-hmm. all the public land stuff going down like normal. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm <clears throat> I'm pretty excited actually about Texas this year with with. Uh, you know, hunting public and stuff like that in Texas because um, I have not – I did not get to spend a whole lot of time last year kind of focusing on the public in Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did – I mean, I did, granted, kill a couple of deer, but I killed those deer in consecutive days. Yeah, on, you know a, I mean? on a trip,
2: not right. like the the stomping grounds. Sure, yeah. yeah.
3: So it's like, man, you know, what do I – you know, getting back into this, trying to figure out how to kill a deer again – you know, on stomping grounds and a more local setting, probably, you know, is something that I have been really uh, wanting to do for several years now. Even I guess in 2016 was when I first started following you around on, with a camera, and we had the scar encounter. And um, since then, I mean, it was that was like the third or fourth time we were we went out, and we had the biggest opportunity or the deer uh, uh, opportunity at the biggest deer that we've ever had on Texas public. Mm-hmm. Like, the fourth trip. So, since then, I've been like, oh, this is easy, you know.
2: And, and so, then now we're finally realizing, oh, there's some luck involved. Yeah,
3: there is. Yeah. For sure. I mean, going to is definitely helps that luck side of and things. And last you know?
2: year, that didn't happen for either of right. us pretty much. So yeah. So, we kind of need to refocus a little bit on some more Texas pub. We had it,
3: dude, <clears throat> we had a ton of awesome footage from last year. Like, going through it, thinking about it, I was like, how many times did I go to Kansas last year? I mean, oh, I know. it was, it was like – Cause I was like, I mean, it was from <clears throat> late October. Went to Iowa, spent some time there, and then it just was like so much footage from November. Cause it was like Kansas mm-hmm. right after that, Iowa, back to Kansas, back to Kansas again. Come back for two days, go back to Kansas, and it was just like, man, you know, it's and it. Which this just shows you, like, if you're if you're kind of down on your on how your luck's gone in, in the hunting side of things the last couple of years or last year or whatever, you know. It just shows you, like, how much, you know, we, we've we been afforded to be able to go hunting quite a bit compared to most guys, right? Mm-hmm. And we still struggle in the best states in the world to get it done, you know? And it's not, I don't feel like we're terrible hunters, you know what I mean? I'm not saying we're the best or whatever. We're still learning a lot, right? But, um, uh, but I mean, you know, I'm just saying that, like, a guy that goes 10 times a year, 10 days a year, you know what I mean, hunting, mm-hmm. like man, he might not get it done. It doesn't matter if he's hunting Kansas yeah. or Iowa or Illinois well, or whatever. I think
2: one of the things that I've really learned, and we were talking about this off-air a little ago, and I'll restate it now, is that you go, especially on an out-of-state trip, having lofty expectations is one of the worst things you can have. Yeah. Like, I know that Iowa is a little different because it's a big-time tag, and you want to go kill a big-time buck in a big-time state, right, that mm-hmm. you spend a lot of money on, but, I mean – to be completely frank the deer you shot wasn't a giant he's a really great buck he was an awesome deer you'd love to shoot but was it the deer that like you thought you were going to hold out for i would
3: would not have shot that deer in iowa in october yeah
2: exactly and so just time and time again like i the deer i shot in kansas this year i mean no way i'm even shooting that deer in november right Mm, if we're going to be honest with everybody you passed him in november right? i did i think uh I'm pretty
3: I, sure there's footage of him from the day that the Giant was in there that he comes by your stand at, like, see, point blank.
2: Yeah. Him and Broke, too, looked a lot alike. That's
3: true. Yeah. But in, I, in think that day that, definitely I think that he through.
2: came th- – I know he was there the day that, like, <clears throat> that young ten. whenever I broke that bachelor group up, mm-hmm. uh, he was in there mm-hmm. that day. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But So all that to be said, and, again, wasn't discrediting your deer, but this is something, you know, that we're – Talking about, like, whenever you go out of state, like, if you want to have a good time, you got to really be realistic about what you're going to go there and be able to shoot. I mean, of course, it's awesome to leave home and be like, dude, we're going to shoot so many giant bucks (laughs) on this trip. But talking about this early October trip that you and I are talking about, like, I'm really going to tell myself, all right, the first decent mule deer buck I get a shot at, I'm taking the shot. Mm. I I ain't going up there trying to get a wall mount. Yeah. You know, I just want to shoot something and have fun on a trip uh, because it's really, I mean, it's really what these trips are about, right? Yeah. Like, you're not going to feasibly come home every time, like, I don't know, past guest Tony Treach does, where he <laughs> shoots big bucks everywhere he goes, right? So, one of the things that I think is going to really help with satisfaction after a season for everyone is to, if you do take an out of state trip or just a trip across your own state, like, if you're just a little bit more realistic with what you can make happen and the amount of time you have, man, it can be so much more fun and really relaxing. I can tell you last year, I didn't relax enough during the hunting season. Like, I know when January came around, it was like, <sighs>
3: yeah. It was a tough season, though. Yeah. You know, like, I'll tell you what would help. And I can tell you this from experience because last year, I killed bucks. Yeah. Or killed a buck pretty early, November Mm. seventh, which for me that's pretty early. Um like I was I'm not saying I was fully relaxed or anything, but for the rest of the season it sure took the edge off of (laughs) like the that tiger eye of the tiger kind of deal, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you still like I still have the eye of the tiger when I'm stalking a deer on the ground or when a deer's coming in or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but like but, like, between the passing moments is when you start to let down a little bit and you're just like, yeah, I'm out here having a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for you, you're out here like, God, I'm so close. Why can't I get well, this done?
2: Yeah. And part of my thing last year was that I did, truly didn't start having good whitetail hunts until like November 7th or something like that. Mm. You know, and that's like, you got a whole month and then a week of rut that I really sort of missed mm-hmm. you know like yeah I mean, oh these well Texans- you had that you
3: went on that trip I yeah. guess is that yeah, what you're exactly. saying yeah, yeah yeah
2: and then uh I was in Iowa with you for 10 days yeah and eight days was it just eight I thought yeah we were,
3: there, 10. we were supposed to be there seven we stayed an extra okay yeah uh
2: and I mean not that I didn't want to go on that trip but like I just I wasn't hunting right you know so I felt like I wasn't you didn't have a bow in my hand mm-hmm. you know and then
3: we felt yeah, close a couple of times in on public in Texas.
2: Yeah, uh, we, we had some little, pretty good
3: action for early season type yeah, stuff.
2: But never saw any shooters. No,
3: no. Sh- well, we that one morning as we were getting out, we saw one deer. It might have been. Yeah, might have been a shooter, or Maybe. at least a, you know legal uh, on the big side buck. Yeah,
2: a buck that makes you say, "Oh, yeah." You know, we didn't have a whole lot of that last year, right. but uh, I don't really know where we're going with that. But just the fact that having some some decent expectations, and I guess that. Uh, Dropping those this year is going to maybe help me relax a little bit oh, and, yeah. and have some fun. And I think that going to a place like – we're talking about going with a lot of targets and a lot of legal animals. No antler restrictions, no yeah. nothing, right? Just go shoot what you want to shoot. Yeah.
3: Dude, I mean, the the thing is, like, yeah, you can't shoot – you're probably not going to shoot, like, you know, a big giant 10-point if you always are shooting the 6 or 8-point that mm-hmm. comes through, right? But at the same time, the ten point sometimes walks in first. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. Like it did uh it did for us in twenty seventeen, you know, when we were yeah. nameless, you know. Yeah. It's like sometimes that happens. So if you go with low expectations, I mean and eventually, man, you kill enough deer where you can be Tony Treach and you mm. can sit there and you know, if you got all if you got a month to go out of state, <laughs> then yeah, you exactly. just sit there and glass deer until you can make a good move. But yeah. you know, a lot of guys are planning five day trip and don't get to hunt a whole lot and haven't killed a ton of giant deer. Just go out there, have fun, shoot something, and um, you might be surprised by a giant that comes in. You, you want know know I
2: mean? to go? You were saying "I the Tiger," which is a, a very fun song. Um, have you seen all the hype about this show on Netflix called Tiger King? Uh huh. So, it's I haven't watched it at all, but everybody on my social media feeds are talking about Tiger King. Really? It's like I don't know anything about it except. It looks real weird, and there's some crazy redneck-looking stuff going on, and it's like a murder mystery story uh, involved with a big cat facility. Hmm. Like maybe somebody fed their significant other to a tiger. Whoa. And I don't know. But if you're listening and you think that we should watch Tiger King, let us know because (laughs) I'm kind of intrigued, but it also sounds kind of crazy. So I don't know. Um, Speaking of that, I think that the reason that that's become such a popping thing Is that, I mean, unless you be real, the uh, whole country is kind of in limbo right now with, you know, everybody's like, "Eh, we're just going to stay at the house and watch some Netflix. So um, with that being said, Tyler and I are doing our best to not go crazy Mm -hmm. and doing our best to still remain social, but also distanced. Um, (laughs) So uh, we've been doing a thing on Instagram, usually on Tuesday evenings. Yeah. And probably will still be Tuesday evenings depending on what guests can do, but it's actually a lot of fun. It's a great idea by you. What have we been doing?
3: So, we've been doing this thing called Five Live. And um I just got I just got this idea one night. I was uh kind of just bored on Instagram and I'm like, you know, I wonder if there's anything, you know, I was kind of going live every once in a while cuz I was just bored and I was like, man, it's not... I don't really have anything to say. I'm not very engaging. Like, what should I do here? You know, I'm just bored. You know, it's like everybody's kind of bored just looking through social stuff. So I uh, I don't know how, but I just kind <clears> of <throat> came across this idea that we would get, um, you know, have some like... I figured out that you could do... Uh, you could hop in on a live video, somebody else's live video. You could request to either get in on that video or they could request uh, to be in on your video or whatever. You could ask them, invite them, whatever. So... Um, I was like, man, we should do like these little like like short, almost like short podcasts where we get like, <clears throat> you know, we get we basically line up the the live, your live video can be an hour long. So we're going to try to get line up like four guests for 15 minutes each at, at first. And we realized that we couldn't really stay within the 15 minute. So we were doing like three <laughs> in an hour or so maybe. Um, so we were lining up several guests and we've done two weeks of this where um, like last week, for instance, um, was uh, pretty good. Round of guests We had uh, Chad Sylvester From Exodus We had Chris B um, We had Eric Barber From Vortex And then uh, Spencer Newharth From Meat Eater And yeah. so Like that's pretty good Round of guests You know And you get to sit there And just listen to us Ask them questions And then we also Are letting like Some of the You know People who are watching You can type a com- in the comments A question And we'll ask that question To them if we see it And, it, and it's you know Pertinent to what's going on Or whatever So Uh, Pretty cool deal. I started, um, um, we started doing these live videos and I was like, man, it stinks that there's, they're just like 24 hours and they're gone. So, um, how about we like record them and cut them up and we can, you know, keep them around forever? (laughs) Like the guy
2: that got eaten by tigers. (laughs) Exactly.
3: Yeah. Record them, (laughs) cut them up, and feed them to the tigers. (laughs) And uh, you guys being the tigers. So, we are doing that through YouTube and, um, and means, like I said, they're essentially like, podcast mini podcast so uh we figured we would kind of give you a taste of that um and show you spencer's um interview that we did with him because it was kind of all over the place kind of like this particular podcast has been so far um you know just a lot of things like nothing real serious going on right now just a lot of different things that uh we're involved in as far as like fishing turkeys coming up and um you know hunt planning and the map scout challenge stuff and we're gardening a little bit and we're just kind of Casey's got a baby and we got this virus deal going on and all these different things, you know? So, uh, we were able to kind of chat with Spencer about a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. So, and was... with
2: that, um, if you are listening here and you haven't experienced, uh, the element YouTube yet, mm-hmm. go over here, go over there and watch some of these five lives on YouTube because they're pretty entertaining and then subscribe while you're there because, yeah. uh, uh, if you want to see, like, the hunts and stuff that we talk about, you know, the video versions of that, which are, I think, way more entertaining than us just blabbing about them, yeah. you know, honestly. So, but go, harder
3: to watch when you're driving down the road. That's true, <laughs> yeah. So listen
2: on the way and then watch when you get there. That's it. Right? Um, go do that. And then uh, also um, be sure and tune in to these five lives because it's different than podcasts in that it's live and you can interact. So, exactly. like, I think with Spencer in particular, didn't we have a lot of people asking questions? Yeah, we had
3: we had some comments being made that we kind of pitched to him, you know, like um, like in particular the Missouri fishing license void that yeah. might be happening or whatever. I'm not even sure where that stands. But, um, you know, we, we told him about that. He had, you know, what do you think about that and whatever. So, yeah, it's like you get to ask the questions kind of if you're mm-hmm. there early enough and you start, you know, doing that. So, uh, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun for me to get, like – I love you and me just talking, you know. But like, I love when people when it's like it's almost like a deer camp mentality through digital social media yeah, platforms. Cool. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a yeah. lot of people just chatting and stuff. That's just that's way cooler, man, and way way more fun when everybody's just jabbing at each other and talking and doing whatever. So, anyway, it's fun, man. So if you are uh, interested in that, yeah, come over and, and uh, watch us on Instagram. Um, sometime we haven't done them on Facebook because I don't know if you can actually I don't know it's not nearly as intuitive to yeah join Facebook, in Facebook live
2: videos are kind of the, the worst of all social media platforms
3: <laughs> they are they
2: just don't work very good yeah yeah yeah
3: so anyway um, I guess with that we, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna um, drop in Spencer's interview right here on the podcast for you guys to listen to uh, just to get a taste of it and just to show you what kind of we're up to and then we'll hit you back on the other side
2: I'm KC, this is Tyler, this is Five Live, and we have Spencer Newhart with Meteor on right now. I'm used to saying, uh, let's see, Wired to Hunt, which <laughs> is a part of Meteor. I guess you're of both of those things nowadays, is that correct?
4: That's right. Uh, <laughs> Meteor keeps growing, so you could uh, say Spencer Newhart is part of many different things. At all. Yeah,
2: he's <laughs> a man of many hats. He actually have on a pretty cool hat. Show us that hat right there, man.
4: That is a Benchmade hat. It is the coolest um, hat I own, and I uh, I've already started getting where it's fading. It's not so black anymore. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you putting on your best for us
2: tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the best balance is like what I wear every day at work. Then, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Cool. <laughs> so, so since you've been in Montana, how much hunting have you actually done?
4: How much hunting have I done? Uh, as as much as i used to do it hasn't changed yet um it, it's just been like a very different style now that i'm in mean, the mountains i uh, get my ass kicked elk hunting get my ass kicked bear hunting uh get my ass kicked mule deer hunting so i do just as much hunting just uh, less successful now yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. party so that's, fun. <laughs> that's all kind of new
3: stuff for you then i guess huh
4: yeah it's it's foreign um I mean, like, we have elk in South Dakota where I'm from. We have mule deer in South Dakota where I'm from. But uh, hunting those things in the prairies or, like, the Black Hills is very different than coming out here and being in the real mountains. Um, yeah. So it's it's all new.
3: Have, yeah. you, have you actually hunted elk in South Dakota?
4: <laughs> no, no. The, I, I had a cow tag once, and I killed a cow. Um, but as far as, like, bull tags go, archery and rifle. They're both like once in a lifetime draws, so okay. I I've never hunted out there.
2: Gotcha, that's yeah. cool. So I actually am probably maybe depending on how you know the world goes, uh, going to be going to Spearfish this summer, taking a group. Uh, I'm a youth minister, take my kids up there, and we're going to do a little mission trip in the Spearfish area there at the base of the Black Hills. So, have you spent much time
4: in that area? Yeah, I, I love Spearfish. That's where I do like most of my turkey hunting there. Um, when I would deer hunt in the Black Hills, it would be around Spearfish. That's like. One of my favorite parts is Black Hills. Um, Yeah. It's it's a big area. What's that?
2: Do I need to bring my fly rod when
4: we go? You should. Yeah, Anywhere you're going in, like, the northern Black Hills, um, I I would bring my fly rod. And Spearfish, if I remember this right, uh, in, like, 2016 or something, Outside Magazine named it, like, it's top mountain town. Um, It's a really cool area. Under the radar. So if you're heading there for any reason, uh, even if it's like just camping or vacationing, there's some like sweet wineries there, and breweries, uh, lots of good fly streams. Of course, if you're there in the spring or fall, you should be hunting.
3: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah for sure. That's cool, man. I didn't know all that was going out going on up there, man. That's cool. So um, back to Montana and hunting. Have you done whitetail hunting there?
4: No, not yet. I. Uh, I moved here last year just in time to, like, get my resident licenses, and I felt like it would be a sin if I didn't go and, like, try to kill a mule deer and just uh, hunted whitetails like I've done all my life. So I went mule deer hunting. I killed a muley. Um, but I think this fall I'm going to shift my focus back to hunting whitetails and, and yeah. try to hunt some of that like overlooked, under hunted areas that are the river bottoms of like eastern Montana.
3: Yeah, so I know Mark has hunted
4: uh, there and had success like early season a little bit. Is that kind of what you're looking to do, or are you gonna get it throughout the season kind of guess? Um, yeah, I, I would probably do some archery hunting, um, but I, I would be probably fairly picky because we have such a long rifle season that opens in like the end of October, and goes until the end of November or early December. So there's a lot of opportunity there with the rifle um, that uh, I'll give it a go with my bow, but I would see myself probably filling a tag with my rifle. Yeah, so do you get,
2: is it an either-or tag, or do you have to choose white tail or mule deer, like right now, or whenever you're applying?
4: Yeah, it's your general deer tag is good for either one. Uh, that's likely the tag that i'll get i I probably won't draw like a unit specific one so then you can you can kill either either deer uh and there's a lot of areas you can end up in eastern montana where you are hunting both um i know some guys from the the meat eater office last year were hunting muleys like in the breaks and uh a place that historically they'd only see mule deer and one of them came across like 150 inch whitetail um so they're all over out there and, and even like places that you wouldn't expect to come, come across them either.
3: Yeah. yeah. So when you say, I got a question here uh, from, from somebody who's commenting, but real quick, when you say you're going to be picky, what does that look like?
0: Oh,
4: um, yeah. I, I, picky maybe isn't the right word. I, I just probably wouldn't shoot like a two and a half uh, year old deer, but yeah. like a, like a three and a half year old, I would, uh, <laughs> because that rifle season is so long uh, i just don't feel like like i have to kill the deer with my bow
3: yeah so okay so the rifle season is during the rut right mm-hmm. Up there so like are you gonna are you pretty dead set on once rifles
4: open you're just a rifle guy um yeah i, I don't know because it, the way my fall always shapes shapes up there's like so much that gets stacked between the end of October and like the end of November. I'm sure it's the same way for you guys, um, that you might have like a month long season, but you only like get in five days to go hunting. And so Mm -hmm. I'll probably make like a five day trip with my rifle and and that would be it.
3: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So to this question, Jojo Polanski says he's playing his first elk hunt or she, I'm not, I'm not sure. Say he or she, uh, (laughs) done a lot of scouting on top. Apps. And I'm guessing they're asking for Montana. Um,
4: when do Elks start moving to winter range? Is that my second rifle or when does that happen? Oh, man. Um, I I was ignorant when I moved out here. And I thought that like if I don't kill one with my bow, that I'll just kill one with my rifle because it's it's rifle hunting. It's way easier. Um, but I quickly learned that it's, it's not that simple. Uh, by the time rifle season opened – Uh, like this year and every year, those elk have been pushed around so much, and and it kind of needs to be weather-dependent as well. Uh, I know like in the southwestern part of the state, they got hit with a blizzard this year on elk opener, which is actually the same as as deer opener for rifle, Uh, and and there was like an incredibly low success rate um, for that. And so a lot of people told me, and I didn't believe them, Um, in that, like killing one with your bow is probably easier than killing with your rifle, but I've now like come around to that line of thinking. So as far as when they move to their wintering range, um, I I don't have the answer to that, but like what they're doing on that rifle opener and for that whole month long rifle season is totally different than what you saw them doing in, you know, early October, end of September, mid-September. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, okay. So I know a lot of people
2: uh, deer hunt. I hear this in the Western crowd. Okay, like deer for fun, elk for food. Have you heard that little scenario or that that phrase? So, um, and being a meat eater, you know that's that's your employer now. Uh, we live in a world right now where suddenly in the past couple weeks, there's a lot more emphasis, and people at least jokingly talking about like what's it going to take to actually go out and you know make meat as opposed to I mean, I know at our grocery stores locally, there's no chicken and beef, at least on some days, you know, and it's not, we're not trying to scare people, right? Like, and this is not how to be afraid, it's conscious of what's going on. So, um, for you and your family, I guess it's just you and your wife, right? So, um, for y'all, like what steps do you take specifically for making meat for the, for the family? Like what, what do you look at for like how many animals you need? And then, uh, like how much ground versus
4: roast and that kind of sort of stuff are you doing? Yeah, like this last fall, I want to say that I killed four deer. I think it was. I didn't kill an elk. Um, and you had asked about like, uh, being picky with an elk. I wouldn't have been picky at all. Uh, with with my bow or my rifle, I would have killed any legal bow. Which in most areas, uh, it might be all areas actually. It has to be a branch antler bull, so you can't kill like a spike. I I would have absolutely killed one given the chance. Yeah, um, but. Like, speaking of the coronavirus thing, we, we just had an article on mediator.com by Miles Nolte talking about how, like, outdoors people are the most prepared for a pandemic like this. Like you said, you go to the grocery store, and there's just, like, no protein available. And I, I saw the same thing here in Bozeman. And Bozeman's a huge outdoor community. Um, everybody that you run into that's a stranger, like, they, they haunted fish, and they get L tags and do tags. Um, so everyone around here, like, fills their freezer with wild meat. But even when you go to the grocery store, there's just like no chicken around. Um, and like speaking to that, you know, we are prepared for coronavirus. It's like, it would be hard to fathom for somebody who's not an outdoors person to like look at, you know, one of our freezers and see that there's just like top to bottom red meat in there. Um, so that's, that's like an awesome feeling. And it's like super satisfying to look at your freezer and see that, and it's like you kind of don't understand why until something like this happens, then it, like, yeah. makes sense. You're like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's comforting, even if you don't realize it. <clears throat> and not only just, like, the meat aspect with coronavirus, but um, just, like, staying sane. Um, my buddies who are skiers that can't go skiing. My buddies who like watching sports, they can't watch sports. Uh, my buddies that, like... Want to go and hang out at a golf simulator on the weekend? They can't do that. um But for the most part, people who like to shed hunt, or mushroom hunts, or turkey hunts, this largely won't affect them. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, right? yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's something that I don't think like a lot of people consider. Those people who love sports, they're going to be without sports for you know months. Uh, the Olympics just got postponed, but the guys who like to turkey hunt—that's still a few weeks away.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding, man. So. Speaking of turkeys, that's uh you're you're talking about red meat or filling the freezer. At some point, I mean, yeah, you can survive on it for a long time, but you're gonna want something light, some fish <laughs> or something probably. Yeah. Or, or turkey or whatever. So, like, um, you know, how how interested are you in those types of species when uh you're when you're thinking about
4: filling your freezer for, you know, periods of time, I guess? Yeah, I, I will like kill as many turkeys as possible. And when I lived in Um, South Dakota, that was like a great place to be if you wanted to kill turkeys because as a resident, you could get like an archer tag. You could get two tags for the Black Hills like where you're going, uh, Casey. You could get like multiple prairie shotgun tags. And so, um, and then you could get tags in the fall as well. When I lived there and I was a resident, I was killing uh, five or six turkeys a year and I'm not even that good of a turkey hunter. So uh, I I love like, wild turkey meat Montana is similar you can get a shitload of tags here but it's just like way more challenging it's not your textbook turkey country so it's a lot tougher than just like going and finding some farmer in eastern South Dakota who uh has a bunch of turkeys and doesn't give a crap about them and tells you to shoot two if you got one tag because that's just how they feel about them it's uh it's a little bit different out here
2: yeah. yeah, well, we were uh, there in 2018 in the summer, I think, yeah. we were driving down the uh, road there by the river, just, uh, what river, what river runs through, Bozeman? What is that? I don't remember. Uh, oh, you got the Gallatin. The Gallatin. So, we were driving down that road that's on the west side of Gallatin, mm-hmm. and there's like turkeys in the ditch right now, and they might be farmed we're like, look <laughs> at <are> these berries. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of them around. How much consideration do you put into, you know, we're talking about freezers, 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 like... Uh, if stuff hits the fan and, like, suddenly we don't have electricity, then I'm in trouble because I don't have preserved stuff, right? And, and like I said, we're not trying to scare anybody, but it's stuff to talk about, right? Have you done any <laughs> candy or anything like that when it comes to me?
4: Yeah, I, I think everybody would be in the same boat in that scenario. Luckily, yeah. I don't live in Texas, uh, so there would be, like, a grace period where right now it's snowing outside my house. Um, oh, it's 80 here, I, so, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so if uh, the electricity went out here and I had to uh, mess with the freezer, I, I would have a little bit more time than you guys. Yeah, we've <laughs> <you> got five <laughs>
3: minutes. Five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I got a couple more questions here. Carson Smith says, um, did you pheasant hunt when you lived in South
4: Dakota? And I guess that's kind of another uh, smaller version of a turkey. Yeah, yep. I, I did out of obligation. Where I, I grew up in the southeastern corner of the state. Um, And that's like the the pheasant capital of the world. I know a lot of places claim to be, but that that literally is like the best place if you want to go and uh, kill a public land pheasant like central South Dakota to southeastern South Dakota is the place to be. So uh, I I did pheasant hunt. It wasn't my favorite thing. Um, I never had like a a quality dog that, you know, gives it that extra level of fun. Um, But mostly I, I love the camaraderie of it. There's like few activities and hunting that you can go do with a group of like five or six friends um and and that's where pheasant hunting is different for me and then it's just also <clears throat> like super chill um if i went out and i missed a turkey or missed a deer uh, i'd be real upset even i even get more upset if i miss like a a duck or a goose but missing a pheasant it's like ah whatever yeah so it's just like, it's relaxing in that way. And then in South Dakota, they have the noon opener um, and it stays that way the whole season until like the the third week of the season, then you can hunt at 10 a.m. But having that noon opener also adds like another level of relaxation to it. There's no like setting an alarm at 4.30 a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. And like getting out in the woods all groggy and, and hating yourself for staying up too late the night before. <laughs> Uh, that never happens with pheasants so I, I enjoy that aspect of it yeah, yeah. you know you like- it's like I'm spoiled by it living there uh, I never truly appreciated how good it was um, but now that I've moved away like I miss you know in the ditch and stuff yeah you
2: know you like the camaraderie side of it where five or six five or six dudes you should come down here and do the uh, public one. land hog hunt with us man it's like pheasant hunting except you're using double out buckshot and you're shooting 250 pound animals <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's pretty slick <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a good reason to get away from Montana in in cold February, February,
3: yeah.
4: Yeah, Yeah, I like that.
3: So, uh, TC Boy had a question. I'm a Missouri resident, and he's read in a few places that the Missouri Conservation Department is going to
4: not make you buy a fishing license. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Not make you buy a fishing license. I I haven't heard that one yet. Um, I I feel like I'm in the minority with licenses that – I'm always okay with paying a little bit more because, you know, all that money goes to the state and it helps open up more access and stock more fish and create better habitat. And so like South Dakota just talked about introducing a $5 stamp and they got shouted down by a lot of the public, but uh, it's like $5 that so what and, and when a hundred thousand people do that or whatever the number is of hunters that come in that makes like an enormous difference and so mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the reasoning behind missouri getting rid of fishing licenses um but i'm i'm always okay paying like an extra 20 bucks or whatever it is for a yeah. year's worth of enjoyment uh to go outside like dozens of times and do that stuff
3: yeah i mean dude if you're hunting or fishing like you're probably spending
4: some money anyway
3: like five bucks you know yeah,
4: whatever. Yeah. It's uh, it's like Steve Brunell has said this many times, but guys always um, he, he meets a lot of people that go cheap on optics, um, so they'll they'll like spend you know forty five dollars on a pair of Barskas from Walmart or whatever. But then at the same time, when they drive to go hunting, they're in like a thirty thousand dollars pickup. So, it's just like you make one small little sacrifice somewhere else, uh, and that suddenly makes a big difference in, you know, your optics or just buying that extra $20 license. Yeah.
2: yeah. You know, about two years ago, it was on the ballot in Texas and Pat that we gained hunting and fishing as a right. So, the right to hunt and fish, uh, which made conservatives everywhere, woo, you know, which uh, I usually to identify towards that side of the aisle, but I could really how do you feel about people considering it a right and not a privilege? You know, know, since we're talking about this license thing, do you you think that that's a good move for people to like preserve the right to it? Or should we always feel like it's something we could lose?
4: Uh, Man, I I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. It, uh, it certainly feels like a right, but like within reason, Um, like there's a reason that bag limits exist and, if this was just a free for all, we would absolutely have a tragedy of the commons. Um, all the walleye would be gone, all the deer would be killed, things like that. And so, uh, it's a right, but people still need to accept that. Like there are regulations that go with this and they're there for a reason. It's not because the state hates you or, uh, because <laughs> insurance companies are in their back pocket or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Gotcha. Well, cool, man. Um, Thanks for spending some time with this dude, and sorry for the uh, tough question. I thought we had one come in. We might have yeah. one more for you here. Yeah, he said he thinks they're avoiding it this year due to the whole shortage, uh, food shortage. Oh, so. so it's a temporary kind yeah. of thing, like coronavirus or whatever because of food shortage.
4: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for that reason, I could get behind it, sure. Uh, that seems like a good move because it's not like coronavirus at this point isn't just a health thing. There's like as many people that are going to go bankrupt as they are. Going to die, and so uh, I'd absolutely be okay with like a temporary relaxation on on charging people for fishing. Um, yeah. That sounds like a really good move.
2: So, how long can you do you have to live in Montana before you can run for state representative? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not <laughs> interested.
2: You're, you're the guy from the job. <laughs> yeah.
4: no, that's okay.
2: Cool. So. Um, Thanks for spending time with us tonight, man. I know it's kind of getting late. Uh, actually, not for you. You're doing fine. It's 8.30 here, and we're hot. So uh, it's time to, time to wrap it up. But uh, if people want to find out more about what you got going on this fall and then about Meat Eater, where should we send them to?
4: Uh, go to TheMeatEater.com. Um, we have, like, two to three new articles a day that are hunting, fishing, conservation, and cooking. Those are kind of our four verticals, the things that we cover. The um, pillars. have. An expansive podcast network uh basically every single day there's a new podcast coming out between the Meteor podcast um wired to hunt uh cal's Week in review and then we have some new stuff coming out as well um if you guys like fishing you're gonna want to check out the media.com in these coming months for some new videos uh podcasts articles things like that
2: yeah awesome dude well thanks for spending time with us man uh y'all stay safe and stay warm up there Alright,
4: thank you guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. Alright, see hey, you brother.
2: Man, Spencer is, he's a pretty neat guy. He has done a lot of stuff. He comes from an interesting part of the country. You know, is kind of Midwest, kind of Western. And uh, now he's doing the meat eater stuff. He's like, <laughs> kind of has free reign to just uh, get kind of wild and crazy up there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm glad that he had some time to talk to us. If y'all are new here, if you haven't ever listened to podcasts before, be sure and hit the subscribe button and uh leave us a review if you haven't yet uh five stars particularly is kind of what we're looking for yeah, you know yeah. if you want to just do five but also give us some critiques you can that's okay <laughs> but the five is what we really like so do that uh don't forget too that if you like this five live format we're going to be having i guess all of these that we do on youtube sooner or later right yeah, so yeah uh, all these will be on youtube to watch and to listen to um and then catch the actual live version on Instagram and be mm. sure you follow us over there too that way you can be notified of when we go live and you can uh, ask your own questions on yeah, that kind of deal.
3: Exactly. And the reason that we called them five live is originally we thought we would just ask five questions and then we laughed at ourselves after we did the first several we It's were a like, good
2: catchy title. <clears throat> yeah, way. sure. So it works.
3: it's uh, it's definitely ends up being more than five questions but you know we kind of generally try to have five lined up when we get you know when we get on the phone with somebody and so
2: yeah, um, there's five on the paper, and then there ends up being a lot exactly, more. That's, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Especially if
3: people start asking. So, uh, yeah, fun deal. Make sure that, um, like you said, if you're if you're uh, not subscribed to YouTube, do that as well because we've got the Map Scout Challenge series that's coming up soon. Um, I don't know how soon actually, but I do know that I have pretty much edited almost fully. Our first one, which is Lake Whitney here in Texas. It's a uh, Corps of Engineers lake that has some public land property and opportunities on it. And let me just tell you guys, like I was telling KC earlier off the air, I was like, dude, I'm not, I don't want to sound biased here at all. I was like, if you were looking for information on a place that you were going to go hunt at WMA and you're like, man, I kind of heard about this one place. I just don't know like what it takes or what I need to do or I don't even know what it looks like down there. Like, if you were looking at something, this is the thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like, this is – it's literally fully edited. I think we've got, like, 43 minutes right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty much 45-minute, like, complete lowdown. Here's what this looks like. Here's a couple of spots that we went into. Here's what the country looks like, the, the flora, the fauna. This is um, – here's what it looks like on an aerial – Here's some other spots that we would maybe check out per what we saw Mm -hmm. and just trying to relate this around to different parts of the lake. And we go through a big map scout uh, session at the end and show you all that. And then once we have some trail camera info from some of these places that we go to, which we didn't drop a trail camera at at Whitney, but um, we'd have dropped some trail cameras. And once we have that information, we will also put videos and Pictures in there as well of what we're seeing out there. I mean, we want this to be something that really helps people out and shows them um, <clears throat> whether they think it's worth the hour and a half drive or whatever it takes to get them there or not. You know what I mean? And yeah. Because well, we, we don't want you. I mean, we know how valuable time is.
2: I think what's neat about these these videos is that <clears throat> it's not about showing you a particular hunting spot on Lake Whitney. Right. It's about getting a good grasp of what the Lake Whitney area is and even other WMAs in that general area of Texas or whatever state we're in, right? Because, um, of course, you can go to the spot that we show you like on the map in video and be like, oh, this is exactly what they saw, Hmm. but that's not really helping you become a better hunter. Hmm. What helps you become a better hunter is whenever you can look at that and then use like some uh, creative adaptation and say, okay, that's what this looks like. This area of the lake over here also has similar terrain, but I'm gonna go over there and see what that's all about because they already showed us this one over here, and mm-hmm. everybody knows it's there. And this over here is more remote or whatever. You know, it's a good way to maybe take some of the learning curve out of hunting some Texas public. Yeah,
3: and that's. I mean, not we're not trying to be experts at all, but no. we're trying. We're trying to show you because you can learn something from the dumbest of people, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's um, it, you can. Whatever whatever our expertise level may be, you can learn something surely from it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like a lot of times there are just different ways that people look at things that you could be like, man, I never looked at it that way. That's a good thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it, you come away with one thing, man, that's that's you know a win for us. That's what we're trying to help you out with. So uh, hopefully those are helpful. I'm really excited to put those out. We will talk about it a few more times, I'm sure, before they actually drop because we're working on um, – we're working on well technically advertisements right Uh, right now so this is something that casey and i kind of wanted to hit on too um you know just the advertising side. yeah so um
2: thank y'all all all so much for the support for the past couple years um you know tyler and i's goal has always been to be able to do this uh as more of a job that we're passionate about more than just a passion because we love doing this but how cool would it be to get paid a little bit to do it and uh you know, at least alleviate some of the gas and tag prices for the hunts that we, we get to go on uh, so in the future you will be he- hearing some ads uh, from some, some uh, really great companies that we do believe in uh, I can promise you one thing is that personally I will never feel comfortable doing an ad for a company that I don't really care that much about or don't know the people who work for them so we won't bombard you with things we won't try to sell you something that we don't use or that doesn't work uh, but we'll have a few ads here and there. So we appreciate y'all supporting the businesses that support us.
3: For sure. Yep. That, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. I think that was a good place to wrap it up. So, guys, until next week, I hope you get out in the woods, and remember, this is your element.
2: Living it.
0: It's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Market House
1: has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.